What does it mean to be blessed? I mean, that word's used a lot, even in our culture. Someone sneezes, and we respond by saying, God bless you. I remember one time looking that up. I should check this, I guess. But I think that could go all the way back to the fact that it used to be beliefs slash superstitions that when someone sneezed, they were uh, exhaling, I don't know, part of their spirit or part of their life force. And so God bless you was sort of a way of trying to help regain, regain that life source. Of course, nowadays, it's just, it's just something we say. We sneeze, God bless you. Or uh, if you go to someone's house and it's really, really nice, oh, wow, man, this is amazing. I hear this a lot. Maybe I'm a pastor, that's why, I don't know. But they'll say, well, pastor, the Lord really, really blessed us. We, we use the word a lot. I mean, what is blessing? Is it material success? Is it, is it climbing that corporate ladder? Is it the fact that we're simply fairly healthy at the moment? Or that God has answered our, our prayers? If you have been around church for a long, long time, you can even remember the way church folks sometimes use the word blessed. We've come up with cute slogans like, too blessed to be stressed. Or very often we would say things like, how are you doing, bro? And the guy's, hey man, I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Now, I'm not against that. And I suppose when that first began, it probably began out of, some, out of a good heart and it was used appropriately but it can simply become, you know, sloganeering, if you will, something that we say and doesn't really mean much to us anymore. I want to read you the whole chapter. Don't panic. It's only, what, six verses. The whole chapter of the first psalm. There are 150 psalms, and they're structured together for a reason. And when the compilers put this together, and, of course, we would believe the Holy Spirit probably had something to do with that, there's a reason this is the very first psalm to set the stage for the entire collection. It says in Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed, there's that word, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. In the Old Testament, there are two dominant words for bless. Uh, probably the most used one is the Hebrew word baruch. Uh, you may have heard people say before, uh, baruch ata adonai, or baruch adonai, which basically means bless the Lord or blessed be the Lord. It, it has the idea of increase. Baruch is the word used in, in the great benediction that I've used from time to time over the years from Numbers chapter 6 when it says the Lord Baruch you or the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
By the way, I'm praying that for you right now. I pray that the Lord blesses you today and he keeps you, protects you, secures you. In this wild and crazy world, I believe for someone right now, you need that protective presence of God. It says the Lord make his face shine upon you. The Hebrew there is actually the Hebrew word for smile. <laughs> Have you ever been, let's say, like in a doctor's office and you're waiting for the report to come back? If the doctor walks in smiling, you immediately feel a little bit better before anything is said. Uh, the Lord smile up on you, make his face shine up on you, and be gracious to you. Grace is getting all kinds of stuff we don't even deserve. I pray that this week God is gracious to you and pours out upon you blessings that you don't deserve and quite frankly, maybe can't even contain. Then you can bless others. Finally, it says, the Lord turn his face towards you. I like to think of that as God giving me his full attention. I remember years ago when I finally got to meet in person Michael Jordan. You super old timers that go back years and years remember that at that point in my life, I had basically met everyone I wanted to meet. I mean, by the year, what was that, around the year 2000, I had met personally a couple presidents, many, many celebrities, not as many athletes as I'd like, but, but I, I met a lot of them. So it kind of became a joke. The only one I had never met is Michael Jordan. To make a long story short, uh, through getting to know B.B. Winans, I got to go to, uh, what was it? the Bahamas, I think it was, and got to go to a little uh, cocktail party. Uh, by the way, I don't drink, but I was still at the cocktail party. And so B.B. Winans called over Michael. And I, one thing I was really impressed with, maybe it's because he likes B.B., I don't know, but when Michael Jordan met me, he actually looked at me, and I'm sure he didn't, he'll never remember this, but at least for that moment, he actually looked at me. You know, there's a, you know what I'm talking about. There's a difference when you meet someone and you can tell they're being polite, they're not outwardly, overtly being mean, but they're kind of just looking through you. You know, the Bible says that not just simply Michael Jordan or whoever your celebrity of choice might be, God himself, this thing says, may the Lord turn his face towards you so that you have Almighty God's full, undivided attention and grant you shalom or grant you peace. Anyway, to go back to what I was saying earlier, this is the Hebrew word, the dominant word, Baruch. Interestingly, that when this word is used, which is very common, typically God is the subject and we're the object, which means we're the recipients of the blessing. In other words, this kind of blessing, was God is the one who blesses us. His hand is upon us. Uh, he's by our side. Uh, he's protecting. He's guiding. Uh, he's, he's prospering. We are the recipients of the blessings and the actions of God, and I pray that for you today. I pray that someone right now, you might even want to stand up or just shout wherever you're out and shout and say, remember that psalm? Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, and then it goes through all of these disasters that were avoided. Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side. I'm talking to someone right now. You literally, and you know this, you literally would not even be breathing right now. In other words, you would have passed away maybe years ago had it not been for the Lord who was on our side. Baruch is the dominant word for blessed. It means the way God blesses us. But in the passage that I just read, Psalm 1, that sets the stage for the entire book of Psalms, it's another Greek word, and this Greek word is Escher. Escher 
has a lot more to do with our own uh, our own happiness. I know that's a tough word in church because <laughs> in church we used to, we always hear at least I hear a lot growing up. Uh, you know, we, we're not into happiness; we're into joy because joy is not circumstance dependent. Whereas happiness. That's even in English, related to the English word happening. And if things aren't happening right, we're not happy. Nonetheless, come on, let's get real. It is nice to go through a life that Jesus promised us might be a great life where there is some happiness involved. So, So now think about this. The two dominant words for blessed, one of them, God is the subject, and we're blessed because God is the one pouring out blessings. The other word for blessed or blessed is having to do with with, with, with with being happy. In other words, actually enjoying the blessings we have. Remember, Jesus used the similar word in Greek to esher, although it was in the Greek language. It means the same thing, happy, during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said things like this, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that really means? Happy. And look how Jesus defines happiness. This is so different how we define happiness. Happy, what if I translate it like this? Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are the merciful. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Happy are You, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. (laughs) That makes me feel better sometimes. Man, I can still be happy even though all kinds of crud is out there, most of which may not be true about, about me. This all means that you can be, see, you can follow this. You can be blessed and yet not be blessed. Uh, I know this might sound a little bit cutesy right now, but I'm trying to make a point. You can have the Baruch blessing where God has blessed you. The very fact you woke up this morning and had breath, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. That is a Baruch. But a lot of us can wake up in the morning blessed by God, but be miserable throughout the day. We don't have the Escher blessing. How many people, sometimes even people, that are believers who should know how to embrace this kind of blessing. I mean, once they're done, they gotta chill and relax, how? By going out and having a drink, uh, or by going, you know, and uh, you know, smoking a little bit of weed to relax and to chill. Why do people do that? They do it because they just wanna relax, they wanna chill, they wanna enjoy themselves, they want to be happy. But what if we did it God's way for a change? The one who gives us life to begin with, who pours out all these Baruch blessings that come from his hand, then we make the choice to embrace those blessings and to actually enjoy it. In order to do that, man, one thing according to what the writer of Psalm tells us here is number one, we have to be able to learn to discern. Remember how the psalm opens up? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Last time I talked to you, I talked a little bit about who we hang around can make a huge difference in where we head in life and how much joy we have and what level of success we have. And if we do have a level of success, is it really the kind of success that God is honoring and that's gonna last in the long term? Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 15, Paul says this. <laughs> I'm going to totally sound like your old school preacher with this verse, but, but I like it. Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company ruins good character. <laughs> I'm surprised more parents don't quote that to their kids. Probably drive them crazy. Paul goes on to say, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I was just talking to someone before I begin this message and hearing people say, I've had several friends recently who went off social media. Some of them say they're going to go off for good. I don't think they will, but they say that. Others are kind of going off for a season. And almost without exception, everyone says, oh man, my life is so much better. Interesting. And yet social media is the big thing today. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is you're into, we all know the images. Even when you sit down as a family, unless you maybe can set some ground rules for family there, everyone's out there on their phone, talking to people, looking, going through, I don't know, what is it, TikTok, Instagram. I know Facebook is probably gone with the wind for most kids today. And if I just preached against that, because really this psalm is a warning to all of us who sometimes unwittingly get massively influenced by doing what everybody does today. Go on our phones, go on whatever it is we're going to, and just boom, go through. Oh, I wonder if they saw it. Oh, and who likes that? We, we just go through that. And yet, if I preach against it too much, because me, Pastor, you're so right, just let him have it. Yes, but I remember being a kid back in the Jurassic Age in the 1960s, in the early, still the relatively early days of rock and roll, and I can remember preachers getting up in the little church I grew up in and pounding the pulpit and ranting and raving about the evils of rock and roll music. And they would just preach at us kids in church, and if you're in it, because it, all of it was just wicked and evil. And you know what? It, come on, man. It, it was off the chart, kind of, in hindsight, weird. Some of what they're saying, though, what wasn't bad. But did we listen to it? Not a chance. I mean, I guarantee you, almost to the kid, the preacher could have preached every single week against rock and roll music, and there was not a snowball's chance in hell that we were gonna stop listening to rock and roll music. What was it, the Stones had that song? I know, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. I can even remember when the very first Christian rock singer came along, and again, this is a really ancient guy, named Larry Norman, that was back in the 60s, I think, maybe early 70s, or maybe both, but Larry Norman one time, uh, you know, had, had how'd that song go again? Um, about rock, rock and roll. He's the rock that doesn't roll. And oh, I know what it is. Why should the devil have all the good music? And so he was, he was controversial in the church bringing this about. I say all this because I know it's easy to just preach against things like social media, but I think social media is a thing that's going to be here forever or for a very long, long time. So here's what I'm telling you right now. Listen. We need to remember some of these old sayings are true. Birds of a feather do flock together. Where are you hanging right now when you're on TikTok or Instagram or all the other sites? Association will bring assimilation, whether you want it to or not. Uh, who you hang with, who you keep company with, will determine how blessed you are. Now again, God's 
Baruch, he just pours all these blessings out upon you, but are you happy? That's the Escher part. That's, that's the Psalm 1 part that we're looking at right now. This says, happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, take the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Be careful who you hang with. Notice, by the way, and this is so much like uh, online stuff today, it's a very slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. If you read the passage, blessed is the one who does not walk, starts off walking, and then all of a sudden sees something he likes, so he stands, and then after a while, he sits down and indulges. I know. See, starts off, again, I don't know if I use the right technological words, but starts off just surfing. I'm just kind of surfing right now. All of a sudden, you see something you like, which may or may not be good, by the way. You kind of spin there, and then pretty soon, if you're not careful, boom, you start sitting down and participating in this, and then you wake up one day and wonder why you're not always happy. <laughs> not often happy. In fact, remember, I love this statement. Sin, and boy, is this true if I compare it to, right now I'm using social media as an example, but it applies to a lot of things. Sin always hides its cost. Think about that. You, if you went shopping and found whatever you're looking for, clothes, a car, furniture, whatever, and you, oh, I love that. But listen, you gotta ask yourself the question, what does it cost? Sin always hides the cost. I like, heard one time someone say it like this, sin promises more than it can deliver, costs more than you wanna pay, and keeps you longer than you wanna stay. Uh, it's like, uh, I've seen good people, and maybe some of you have fallen prey to this, it happens a lot, unfortunately, an affair. Uh, an affair kind of starts like that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people, oh, I, didn't, I didn't set out to have this affair. I was, just, I was just walking. But you begin to walk in the wrong place. Then pretty soon you, you, you see something and you, ah, oh, doesn't hurt to look. But if you don't stop it there, it is a slippery, slippery slope. By the way, why do people, do you ever have people get into affairs? I've seen this before and so have you. I'm thinking of a particular celebrity right now who I will not name, who messed up and lost his wife, and his wife, this is the superficial part, was drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, I don't care what you say. She was world-class beautiful by anybody's definition. And uh, besides that, she was intelligent and smart. And yet, he, of course, he went through all kinds of multiple stuff, but the person he's with now, you sometimes look at and go, wow, compared to what he left, what he gave up, who he cheated on for the kind of people he's with now, well, we need to remember that our flesh, which is why the Bible warns us where we're going to walk, where we're going to stand, where we're going to sit, the flesh always likes something new. Always. That's why when people have an affair, the early days of an affair are normally pretty good. For one thing, it's new. It has the element of being naughty, and naughtiness by our sin nature, anything forbidden, always is going to entice us. And if you've been married to someone for so long, you know, the naughtiness factor doesn't seem to be there naturally anymore. And so that's, and if your whole relationship is based on that, you're going to be in trouble. It, 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 just, it just entices, it entices. That's why Jesus says things like this. Jesus in John chapter 8 said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Let me make that modern. Whoever sins is an addict. 
Did you know we're all addicts? You may think, well, I, I've never had to go to a 12-step recovery kind of thing. Hey, if you've sinned, you are an addict. So be careful. This whole thing is a slippery slope. You may say, man, I, I just wanted to, to dip my toe in. I was just checking it out. I wasn't going to have a whole meal. I was just having a sample. It was just a date. I was just experimenting. I thought I could handle it. I thought I was stronger than I was. But a taste can become a habitual lifestyle. And then, by the way, since sin will always be followed by rationalization, we will eventually convict, convince ourselves, wrongly by the way, we'll convince ourselves that God must be okay with it. I know, I know I'm not supposed to drink too much, but, but I think God understands. And I, you know, maybe some of my preacher says smoking grass may not be the wisest thing to do, but you know, I, you know I, God understands the stress I'm under and, and, and I need to be able to settle down once in a while. Listen, sin, even an affair. I've seen people, oh, but you know what? I know they're normally wrong, but in my, let me tell you, my, my ex was like this and this. And that. God understands. Sin, sin will always be followed by rationalization. Let me tell you something else about sin, by the way, you've learned. It's always easier for someone who's messed up, which is why you gotta be careful where you walk, where you stand, where you sit, because it's always easier to pull someone down than to lift them back up. A lot of you know one of our friends at church is, uh, is Terry Crews, and Terry's known for a lot of stuff, currently hosting America's Got Talent and all kinds of things, but Terry Crews is, 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 is a stud. But let me tell you something. If I was in a pit, in a very, very deep pit, and even a guy like Terry Crews reaches down to pull me out, you know, he probably could because he's pretty strong. But it would not be that. I, I couldn't beat Terry Crews in a physical fight to save my life. But if I was in a pit and he reached down to help me, I would have a really good shot at pulling him down because it's always easier to pull someone that down than to lift them back up. So if you want to be happy, the Bible's trying to tell us happier, you want to have a happy life as a Christian, the one thing we've got to watch out for is, 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 is where we're going to hang, where we're going to walk and then stop and check it out, and, and where we're going to sit. Another thing I'll just mention to you before we move on today and finish this whole thing up, Psalm 1 also implies that it's good to develop our taste. It goes on to say, but whose, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So let me ask you a question. What's easier to do? To eat fast food, to eat bad, or to eat healthy and to eat clean? We all know the answer to that. Even though a lot of us may want to eat healthier, live healthier, live cleaner, it's just natural. I'll use the word natural. It just seems easier to do the opposite. Uh, that's true with everything in life. And, and even sin, when, when, when my kids were, were little, I tried to teach them the value of, what word do I want to use here? Uh, delayed reward. And that's not the word I was thinking of, but, but that whole idea of a delay. I tried to drum into them that one key to success in life is to learn to pay the price now 
and then enjoy some of the fun stuff later. For example, when I grew up, right away, man, I worked my butt off to go to Bible college. I, when my friends were going to the beach and my friends had jobs and were making, at least for a 18 or 19 or 20 year old, they were making good money then, and I wasn't making much because I was all going to school. You know, so no, delayed satisfaction, that's the word I was thinking of. I had to learn to delay the satisfaction to pay the price now because sin always pays you everything up front, looks like it's a great deal, but it never warns you about how much it's gonna cost. Even things parents naturally do. If you have a, hey, mom, if you have a lot of chores that day and you gotta drag your kids with you, sometimes you'll tell them, you know what, if you guys are good, then at the end, I'll get you an ice cream because you're trying to show them if they'll do the good part now, then they can delay the gratification and the satisfaction with, with that uh, ice cream later. This doesn't come natural. To learn to crave the stuff that's healthy for you. And yet, if you have ever been on a diet, you know, at least for me, the first few days of a diet, whether it's a diet to lose weight, or nowadays when I diet, I don't really diet to lose weight, I go more on a diet to try to just eat healthier and cleaner so I can feel better and live longer and, and be more effective. And if I've been eating not so good, the first few days are just tough. I'll say it like that. Then I can kind of get into a rhythm where I actually begin uh, to find some joy in it. And I don't, I, I, why am I talking like this right now? I'm just being honest with you, is that sometimes doing the right thing as a man of God, it's like getting to eat healthy. It's, oh, would I rather just go play right now? Or if you're a sinner, might I really go out and drink with the guys or whatever, or go to church? And yet, if you start doing the right thing, you'll learn to delight yourself in the, in the more healthy things. Uh, <laughs> And again, I have found in my life that God is the opposite of an addiction. In an addiction, any addiction, I mentioned an affair earlier, but in any addiction, the best thing about it are the early days, the first time you got high, the first few times you got high, the first few times that you messed around. And then from then on out, there's the law of diminishing returns. I have always found God's the opposite at least with me. God starts off, okay, sin's offering me this, and God's offering me this. Sin seems to be offering me this, but God's offering me this. But if I do it sin's way, it's like it's a fake. It's like good, no. And when I do it God's way, and I know this isn't good English, it just gets gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Part of meditation, it says, but who meditates on his law? Part of meditation is flat out, just repetition, just doing it again and again and again and again. And you have to learn, you know, don't, don't be so envious about those, because when I was first married, and I was you know, keeping my nose to the grindstone and going to school, and all my friends were out, see, like, they're all having fun, and I'm just doing all this, and, and, and yet, I had to learn to not be in the views of that delayed satisfaction, delayed gratification, pay the price up front and enjoy the fruit later. I had to learn that sometimes what I was envious of, watch this, like Psalm 1 here says, it just was chaff anyway. In other words, it wasn't substance. It looked like a good time. That partying looked like they were having fun. It looked they were having a lot more fun, a lot quicker than I was or ever am, am gonna have, and yet, boom, eventually the whole thing blew up on them. And I found out, wow, God ain't joking. 
God wasn't trying to mess me up. God wasn't trying to cheat me out of some joy and some fun. His Baruch blessings keep on coming, and if I make the right decisions, I can actually start to enjoy it and have some happiness. And at my age right now, I want to tell you, man, I'm enjoying life. <laughs> at 70 years of age, I'm enjoying my marriage. I'm enjoying my, my uh, uh, ministry. I'm enjoying my life more than ever. Sure, there are some things different about age. Are there some things you miss about youth? Absolutely. But all in all, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And my friends that I've seen that haven't made some of these same decisions, their life just keeps getting tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher. It's someone, I'm going to close with this idea. It is due season because this passage says that a person is like a tree planted by streams of water. I like that, streams in the plural. Because when you walk with God, there are multiple sources of joy. When you're an addict, all you think about is your next drink. All you think about if you're a sex addict is your next sexual experience. All addictions ever do is shrink and shrivel up life's options. God has multiple ways of, of, of blessing us, and it yields its fruit in season. I heard a preacher say years ago, and I've never forgotten this. He said, everyone will tell you there's four seasons. Uh, what is it? Spring, summer, fall, and winter. He says, we believers have an advantage because we have a fifth season. The Bible calls it due season, D-U-E, that in due season or at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I have to tell you, man, I've learned that that is so true. Sometimes it seems to be their season, but I keep on doing the right thing because I know that my season's coming, my due season is coming, and if I don't quit, I can't fail. And in God, Jesus was telling me the truth. He came that I might have life and have that life more abundantly.